Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. Some friends play at friendship, but a true friend sticks closer than one's nearest kin. Some friends play at friendship, but a true friend sticks closer than one's nearest kin. I love the Proverbs. It's a book of collections of wisdom, collections of sayings, collections of things that can can cause us to pause and to think. This scripture deals with friendship, Christian friendship. What difference does it make with the lives of others around us? This coming Saturday, Nancy and I will be going to be with some friends. And on Saturday morning, I will participate in the funeral for one of my dearest friends in our world. It's somebody that we've known for the last 24 years or so. It's someone we've shared life together with. Someone that together we raised our families. We've celebrated weddings within our families together. We've celebrated funerals, the deaths of people we love together. It's a friendship that that has been going on for quite some time. It started out because I was this person's pastor, but it, it turned from being a pastor to being a pastor and a friend to being a pastor, a friend, and a brother. Years ago, we started referring to each other as brothers. We just shared life together. We knew that if something happened to me, that he and his family would take care of my family. And if something happened to him, Nancy and I would help take care of their family. It was that covenant. It was that kind of friendship that we had together. Last Thursday night, I shared with you last weekend, Thursday a week ago, received a call that from his wife that uh, things were going bad and that hospice had said it wasn't going to be much longer. And, and so she was telling me this when she goes, hold on just a second. And he had motioned for her, hand him the phone. And he came on and he goes, I don't have much time. I wanted you to know I love you, brother. And we talked. So then Nancy and I were talking with the family and they asked that we would come up the next day. And, and so we did. And and we had some time together with him, gave him our hugs, and we were talking. And I was sitting there beside of his bed, and, and, and we had some one-on-one time. But then Nancy and his wife and their three kids came, and we were standing around. And, and his eyes were closed most of the time, the energy that it took just to be together. I was sharing with him. I said, you know, we're always going to be here for your family. And I said looking at his kids and smiling, and I'll try to keep them straight. All of a sudden, we get this whispering phrase, good luck. (laughs) Which was such a blessing to his kids to be able to hear dad's humor was still there. Friendships, they're so precious in our lives that God places in our lives People with whom we can share life together. People with whom we can share faith. People with whom we can count on. That no matter how much geography there may be between us, no matter how much time may lapse, you're friends. There are some people you just know, friends, for life. God did not want us to be alone. The scripture is full then of 
of verses that talk to that. The scripture we just read, some friends play at friendship, but a true friend sticks closer than one's nearest kin. Or the today's English version translates it this way. Some friendships do not last, but some friends are more loyal than brothers. Or the message, which is Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the scripture. Peterson paraphrases it this way. Friends come and friends go. But a true friend sticks by you like family. A true friend sticks by you like family. We're not meant to be alone. We're meant to be in relationship. When you read Genesis chapter 2, whether you read it literally or whether you read it as a narrative, you're going to come out at the same point. In Genesis chapter 2, God creates the Adam, Adam, the human being, forms him out of the ground, breathes the breath of life into him. But something was missing. God looked at Adam and said, it's not good that the Adam, the human being, should be alone. So God then, when you read the story, started creating the animals, the cattle, the animals of the field, the birds of the air. Still something missing. So God calls the sleep to come over the Adam and from the human being, he took a rib and created Eve, his helpmate, his wife, one with whom to share life. And when Adam woke up, looked over and saw his bride, I love what he said. Finally. Finally. Someone to share life with. Sometimes our best friend is our spouse. God places people in our lives to share life with. And friendships are mentioned throughout. In the Proverbs, for example, Proverbs 22, verse 24, make no friends with those given to anger and do not associate with hotheads, or you may learn their ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Or Proverbs 12, 26, the righteous gives good advice to the friends, but the way of the wicked leads astray. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times. And kinfolk are born to share adversity together. Proverb 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, and so one person sharpens another. We're meant to share life. Hebrews, for example, in the New Testament, Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and to good deeds. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And again, Peterson paraphrases it this way. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on. We need people in our lives who love us dearly and people in our lives who will speak truth to us and people in our lives who are willing to hold up a mirror to us and people who, when we fall down, rather than pointing at us, reach out a hand and lift us up as a brother or sister in Christ. In the Bible, there's some great friendships. For example, one of them in the Old Testament is David and Jonathan. David. Becomes the greatest king in all of Israel. But David 
was at one point just a young little ruddy boy, shepherd boy. One day his parents gave him some food and said, take this out to your brothers. The brothers were fighting in the, the, the army of Israel and they were fighting against the Philistines. And, and so David goes taking the food out and he's amazed at what he sees because all of a sudden looking before him was, was this huge giant named Goliath. And the children of God, the army of Israel, well, they were shrinking back, terrified. And David goes, what's wrong with you people? Why are you afraid of him? And they're going, look how big he is. Man, he's huge. He'd tear us apart. And David said, yeah, but, but he's saying horrible things about your God. And they're going, yeah, but he's huge. And David said, I'm not afraid of him. I'll take him. And his brothers and the army of Israel said, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. And it's amazing because they literally are going to let him go. And, and then the king says, well, you know, you can't go out there without some kind of protection. So the king gives him his armor. And, I mean, can you imagine you're the king going, hey, kid, here, put this on. Good luck. And, and, and it reminds me of, of when my daughter, when she was really little, would come walking through the house in Nancy's shoes, you know, and trying to, it just didn't fit. And so David goes, I can't do this. And David then goes out to face Goliath with just a slingshot. And God. Because it's amazing what you can do with just a slingshot. And God. And so David was able to take down Goliath with just a slingshot and God. Well, King Saul is absolutely amazed and he has him to come in and he's talking to him. And, and Saul had a, a little boy, a son by the name of Jonathan. Jonathan is listening. Jonathan's seeing David and, and they, just, they just became friends. As a matter of fact, 1 Samuel 18 verse 3 says, then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. I mean, one of those covenants you have with friends when you go, we're friends. I got your back. I'll always have your back. You've got mine. We're friends. Thick or thin, we're in this thing together. You've got a friend. And so they shared life together. They grew up together. They, they experienced life together until Saul became so paranoid, the king Saul, that, that David was going to usurp his throne, that, that pretty soon Saul decides he's going to kill David. He's going to get rid of David. And, and do you know who saved David? It was his friend. It was Jonathan. Saul's own son who comes up to him and goes, hey, you need to know what dad's planning. And, and it's Jonathan who saves him. But then later, the time would come when Jonathan and David have to part ways because Jonathan is still the king's son. And in 1 Samuel 20, verse 42, the scripture says, Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace. Since both of us have sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord shall be between me and you and between my descendants and your descendants forever. When you read that story, you'll hear that they embraced. And they cried. And the writer says, and David cried a little more. 
friendships. We, we see it throughout the Bible. We see it with, with Paul and Timothy. Paul and Timothy. Timothy started out just as an apprentice, a helper, but man, their relationship grew. Friendship to like a father and son. As a matter of fact, when Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1-2, he said to Timothy, my loyal child in the faith. When he's writing to the church at Philippi in Philippians 2, 22, Paul says, but Timothy's worth, you know. How like a son with a father, he served with me in the work of the gospel. The word, the Greek word in the New Testament for brotherly love and for this kind of friendship is philia. It, it's actually where we get Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love it's it's a love that's shared and and what's interesting when we think about friendship is jesus friendship with us in john chapter 15 verse 13 jesus says this interesting thing he goes greater love has no one than this than he who would lay down his life for his friends and I wonder if the disciples were kind of looking like, who, us? Because then Jesus comes back and clarifies, I call you friends. That's who you are. You're my friends. You are my friends. Friendship. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a great German theologian, lived during the days of Hitler. As a matter of fact, he was eventually executed by Hitler and Hitler's leaders. Why? Because, well, Bonhoeffer would speak out against Hitler. Bonhoeffer would try to protect the Jews and to provide safety and safe passage for the Jews to save them from slaughter. And, and, and Bonhoeffer was trying to discern, how do we deal with this tyrant who's killing so many? But he wrote an amazing little book that I commend to you. It's called Life Together. Life Together. Actually, I encourage every Bible study, small group, Sunday school class, live group, choir, every group to read it together. It's just a little book. It won't take you all that long. Life together. But in that book, he talks about what Christian relationships are like. And he says, it is easily forgotten that the fellowship of Christian brothers and sisters is a gift of grace. A gift of the kingdom of God. Therefore, let those who until now have had the privilege of living a common Christian life with other Christians praise God's grace from the bottom of their hearts. Let them thank God on their knees and declare it is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brothers and sisters. I mean... His argument is, and I mean, picture where he is when he writes this, but, but to be able to know the privilege. It is a privilege to have brothers and sisters in Christ that we can share life with. And when we are blessed to the point that we have a, a Christian friend, a brother or sister in Christ with whom we can truly share our lives, he said, you, you should thank God from the bottom of your heart. This is a gift of grace, a gift from the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, he goes, if you've had the privilege of Christian fellowship, Christian living, life together, you should hit your knees 
and give thanks to God for this amazing grace. He shares with us that, that the gift of sharing life together is a gift from God. In Genesis 2, God said it's not good that we should be alone. We're to share life together with other people. We need others in our lives. We need brothers and sisters with whom we may share life, with whom we can, we can wrestle with our faith. What does it mean to be faithful? How do we live a godly life in today's world? To seek to be the people that God has called us to be. One of the greatest gifts that you could ever get is for someone to look at you and call you friend. What an amazing gift. If someone looks at us and calls us friend. Because you can't make someone become a friend. It's a precious gift. Just like if someone looks at us and says, I love you. What an amazing gift. Whether it's a spouse or whether it's a best friend. To hear someone say, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. I love you. Amazing gift. So I ask you, who are the friends that God has placed in your life? And when's the last time that you called them up just to say, I just wanted you to know, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. To have that conversation. And, and who has God placed you in their lives? Whose life is it that God has given to them, you, as a friend, as a gift, as one to share life together? Friendship is an amazing gift. And to join together as Christians, what a blessing. One of my favorite hymns goes like this. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds will is like to that above. Before our Father's throne, we pour our ardent prayers. Our fears, our hopes, our aims are one. Our comforts and our cares. We share each other's woes. And our mutual burdens bear. And often for the other flows the sympathizing tear. And when we asunder part, it gives us inward pain. But we shall still be joined in heart and hope to meet again.